0: Love, talk Radio. Good morning, this is your host Lorraine Neidhart, and you have reached Venus Unplugged. What we do uh, in this podcast is we explore the archetypal presence of Venus, our pathology, how she lives in our life, within our creativity, and most of all within the culture. So what last few weeks been looking at the scapegoat. What is the scapegoat? How does it live in our life? And I'm going to read a lovely uh, cautionary tale. It's a Sufi tale of the, of the wayward princess. And what this talks about or refers to is um, how it's the positive aspect of scapegoating, how it could be if we're carrying a new order into life. And we have to remember that in all tales and fairy tales, we, as in dreams, every character in the dream and in the tale is an aspect of ourselves. So let's say in this case the king is the primary ego thought, knows everything. It's the rule. All right. And the princess is that kind of new possibilities. Very often, the ego or the collective will not let come forth. So, having said that, let's get along with our tale of the wayward princess. So here, <clears throat> a certain king believed that what he had been taught and what he believed was right. And in many ways, he was a just man, but was one He was one of whose ideas were limited. One day he said to his three daughters, all that I have is yours and will be yours. Through me, you obtain your life. How often do we fall into that trap? Okay, that falsity. It is my will which determines your future and hence determines your fate. Dutifully, quite persuaded by the truth of this, two of his girls agreed. The third daughter, however, said, "Although my position demands that I be obedient to the laws, I cannot believe that my fate must always be determined by your opinions." Well, we'll see about that," said the king. He ordered her to be imprisoned in a small, stylish cell. Okay, after all, she was princess, uh, where she languished for years. Meanwhile. The king and his obedient daughter spent freely of the wealth and uh, would otherwise have been uh, expended upon her. The king said to himself, this girl lies in prison, not by my own will, uh, not by her own will, but by mine. This proves sufficiently for any logical mind that it is my will, not hers, which is determining her fate. The people of the country, hearing of their princess's situation, said to one another, she must have done something very wrong for our monarch, for whom uh, we, have, we find no fault to treat her, his own flesh and blood so. For they had not arrived to the point where they felt the need to dispute the king's assumptions of rightness in everything. From time to time, the king would visit the girl. And although she was pale and weakened from her imprisonment, she refused to change her attitude. Finally, the king's patience came to an end. You continue your defiance, he said to her. "Uh, You uh, only annoy me further and seem to weaken my rights if if you stay within my realms. I could kill you, but I am merciful. I therefore banish you into the wilderness adjoining my territory. There is a wilderness inhabited by only wild beasts and such eccentric outcasts who cannot survi- uh, survive in our rational society. There, you will soon discover when you can have an exi- that you can have an existence apart from your own family, and if you can, whether you prefer it to ours. His decree was at once obeyed, and she was uh, convened to the borders of the kingdom. That's where really all the action is. It's always at the borderline, right? The borders of consciousness, the borders of of life. There's always some great art form being born in those areas. So his decree was obeyed and she went to the borders of the kingdom, the princess found herself set loose in a wild land which bore little resemblance to the sheltered surroundings of her upbringing. But she soon learned that a cave would be served for a house, that nuts and fruits came from the trees as well as from the garden uh, plains, that warmth came from the sun. This wilderness had a climate and a way of existing on its own. After some time, she had so ordered her life that she had water from the springs and vegetables from the earth and fire from a smoldering tree. Here, she said to herself, is a life whose elements belong together from a completeness. Yet neither individually nor collectively do they obey the commands of my father the king. One day, a lost traveler, as it happened, a man of great riches and ingenuity came upon the exiled princess, fell in love with her, and took her back to her to his own country, where they were married. After a space of time, the two decided to return to the wilderness, where they built a huge and prosperous city, where wisdom, resourcefulness, and faith uh, were expressed. In their fullness and their possible extent, the eccentrics and the other outcasts, many of them thought to be madmen, harmonized completely and usefully with this many-sided life. The city and its surrounding countries became renowned throughout the entire world. It was not long before its power and beauty far outshone that of the realm of the princess's father. By this unanimous choice of its inhabitants, the princess and her husband were elected to, to the joint monarchy of this new and ideal kingdom. At length, the king decided to visit this strange and mysterious place which he had sprung up from the wilderness, and which was heard, populated at least in part by those who he and his like despised. As with bowed head, he slowly approached the foot of the throne upon the young couple who sat upon this throne and raised his eyes to meet those repute of justice, prosperity, and understanding far exceeded his own. He was able to catch the murmured whispers of his daughter. You see, Father, every man and woman has his own fate. In his own choice so I think that's a lovely tale to ponder on the king being our opinions this third princess whose our creative thoughts the youngest thoughts the uh, the new ones that are just developing and yet have a sense of their own. Who are willing to survive and can survive quite beautifully in new territory using uh, nature, which is in harmony. These are all ways when when we're struggling with an issue, or we've been scapegoated because if you have uh, a new idea. Or a concept, or you just don't agree. You're one of those eccentrics. It says, No, I see it in a different way. Or I see a band of, a flock of new colors, and I want to explore that. And the family or the society says, No, we only believe in this. And uh, you get scapegoated, you're exiled. But you survive. As opposed to being imprisoned in the world of opinions that do not serve your own evolution. And there's a lot of scapegoating going on in this world. And it doesn't it, it doesn't resolve. It's just you don't agree with us, so you're banished or cursed. Or carried the evils of humanity because you're different. So this is a tale uh, of exile, but it provides kind of a, a reconcile or a redemptive uh, quality to the old system. And it's a, it's a wonderful time to, any time is actually a wonderful time for redemption, to explore what are your predominant driving thoughts and opinions. What are they based on? Are they based on the authentic? of yourself? Are they what you were told and never questioned? Or what an authority figure told and never questioned? Because it's it's painful to learn how to think. Because in thinking we have to explore, we have to discover where is this from? Why do I believe this? Is this true of my being? And most of all is this true of my soul? So we would see the, also the, the youngest princess, in a sense, as the soul. As I said, the soul is not religious. The soul is that creative aspect, which loves the wildness and the edges. Because that's where the artists and the poets and the musicians and the creative people and the madmen. One of my favorite stories is the Mad Men. Is uh, there were two madmen, right? I think this is another Sufi tale. And uh, one gets institutionalized, and the other one goes and visits. So it's the story of the Mystic and the Madman. And the Madman says, "You know, I don't get it. Like you're ten times crazier than I could ever be," he said to the Mystic. Uh, and he said, "Why am I locked away? Well, you're the one that's really qualifies." And the mystic said, well, the difference is, my friend, is I know who to talk to of such things. You tell everybody. So it's a wonderful example of discernment. You know, we can have eccentric thoughts and ideas, and we we need to cultivate them and see how they fit. And they may be absolutely private, and they're not for the world but they're the way that you're going to walk in the world with a certain amount of dignity and that you're loyal to your true nature. But you need to have enough common sense not to be shouting it all over the place. Uh, Let's say in a room full of religious fanatics. When people are fanatical, no matter how right they may feel, Underneath, they don't believe, which is why they have to push and kill and repress. And like our king, he's the king. So he's been told that whatever he thinks or whatever it is, is true. And everyone must obey. Except parts that of him and his kingdom that uh, don't. Say so there's another way. So we look at the king. What, what are our kingly thoughts? We can always tell our kingly thoughts because we, you know, sashay around bravado and I'm absolutely right and this is what it is and this is what's going to happen. And Well, let's just say, in general, we've got a 50-50 chance, which I think are pretty good odds. And if enough people begin to take the attitude of the third princess and say, well, what do I really see here? What do I really feel? Can I perceive it in a new way? So when we learn to love those, those scars and that they're our strengths, we begin to live in dignity. And hopefully, sovereignty, meaning our own self-rule. Of course, we cooperate with the world around us, but we go more for a natural world. We're not violating its nature. We're cooperating with its nature in balance. This is not an easy task in the modern world, but it never was. I don't think it was an easy time, because that's part of the development of what this uh, journey on this planet is about, is discovering our own sovereignty and our own relationship to divinity, to our wholeness, and the mirrored colors of that really taking place. So in this kingdom, it's in this tale of exile, it's a redemption of the old value system. And as a you know, out of the out of being exiled, you're creating a new system. That's also what happens from generation to generation. The older generation will look and go, "Oh God, the young, and look at that outfit and what's with that dance and that sound and everything," and not, never realizing, "Hey, this is they're creating a language, they're creating well, you know they're creating new, not new genders an expansion, you know, moving from just boy and girl. I mean, there's so many levels now of, uh, to describe sexuality. It's extraordinary. Some will stay, some won't. But the fact that it's blowing wide open and that the language is changing, which always is an indication that the culture is changing and every generation has its, uh, its language. So we need to include that. That's what they're bringing in with them. That's their storyline. They'll live it out to be true or not true in their own nature. The old kingdom doesn't necessarily see that unless you're a madman or an eccentric or an artist. You know, creative thinker. So we don't have to kill off. We can just step away from values that do not serve our higher good. And we don't have to kill or rebel against. We simply outgrow and abandon. It's one of the things that Jung said, you know, that with with complexes and that very often, because if we're exploring them and working them and tilling the, the rich soil of our horseshit uh, that, that goes on in our heads, right? We will eventually outgrow it because these complexes also serve. If we're being neurotic, meaning we're just balking at what is going on and we're not really asking the questions, the quality of the question is the most important, not the answer. I'm looking at something within my life, and instead of just, which is to me, very creative question, you know, why is this happening to me, or why now? It's like, well, it's now because now is the right time, it's happened to you because, you know, your shadow uh, brought it forth and wants to explore this. That's the creative attitude. Now, it can be very, very frightening because it's so new, or well, I must be crazy because I have nobody else I know ever thinks this or feels this. Give it time. You'll meet, you'll meet uh, your, your heart's nature, people of your own consciousness. And if not, you'll start. You'll create what you're looking for so people of like nature can come and, and explore and discuss and grow. And then in the growing, we outgrow. into another level of consciousness and then it comes into the culture which is about moving the culture forward so this place this new kingdom that's set up in the wilderness that in between place where wanderers and eccentrics dwell that's actually also the place when you're when you're waking up particularly if you're still kind of in the state of dream and then um, I know there are people who, as soon as they open up their eyes, they're up and marching through the day. That's, You know, I have, I have this dwelling place uh, for a good half an hour, an hour between waking and the other waking. And that's a very rich time. I don't, I've trained myself not to force myself into the world because I don't belong there yet. I don't have anything to give to the world. It's the time where you muse, you write down your dreams, you're going to get some inspiration, something is going to happen. And if you can give yourself that, I know it's very hard because the demands of the world are clanging and uh, the worries and the fears and everything and the joys and the happiness. But even if you get up 15 minutes earlier, just have 15 minutes. Five minutes, just don't jump out of bed. You can thank the dream time, even if you don't remember your dreams, because the true guru is the dreams. That is your personal guide. And if you don't remember them, that's okay too, but it's going to be working out. You know, even if we make up a dream, it still comes from the same place of imagination, the place where images are developing, the place where the youngest princess or prince lives. That's the element of play, of uh, which is very hard. Play is very serious. I went to a marvelous... Um, Talk yesterday uh, at the Irish Art Center about this book called *The Dirty Dust*, which which was written in Irish and uh, considered the best book of the 20th century. And uh, you know, the Irish have this amazing gift of being humorous and funny and serious. They're always in that paradox, and they and they jump in and out, which is part of their charm. And if that's frightening for someone, you know they either want you one way or the other. They'll drive you crazy. But if you can go with that flow, and so this book is about—it's about, um, <laughs> it's about the, these people in this town. Okay, and it's—they're uh, dead and buried, but their their conversation and their pettiness and their gossip and everything continues in uh, in the graveyard and it is scandalous and they're just as petty as they were in life but it continues in that way and the only news they can have from the upper world is when someone dies and is buried so it is a hilarious uh, imaginative body of work but it also tells some great truths too because when we bury ourselves in opinions or dead ideas, they still go on. They still yak from the unconscious. But if we work with them and understand them, and and even if we go like, you know, I absolutely, I did, det- that thought or that group, you know, it's like, well, what if you really, you know, had to go in there and really, uh, how would you influence it in a way that you could break through with some of what you believe to be true? Because there's a, see, the thing about the scapegoating, which is uh, why it doesn't really work, it's just so much projection, there's no... Sacrifice to the sacred, as in ancient times, when they literally killed the goat, right? put the sins on the goat, and then killed the goat, sacrificed the goat. It was to a god. It was to a deity. We're not sacrificing anything. We're just populating the world with opinions. Well, it's the way it's always been done was always done because it was right when it was created. Now, there are truths that are eternal. But we usually don't have to beat people over the head with it, right? So this, this place, this wilderness, it, it's an image. When there's a, a scapegoat identification, you know, that scapegoat has dreams, That scapegoat is carrying, well, in, in, in the ancient times, it's carrying the sins the mistakes, but those sins and mistakes may be according to a, a body of laws that don't work in the 21st century. They work then because that's what kept the culture together and moving and progressing. But then they become archaic, and there's no room. The, the hidden attitude about the feminine—that's beyond archaic. Some people believe it, and we often believe it within ourselves, but unconsciously. And we un, uh, uh, until something happens in our life, and we go, well, "Wait a second! This is definitely not fair." And also the feminine within men, so it's not just the feminine. So there's no easy resolution to uh, this collective culture. And, you know, the spirit of all groups is prone to kind of that magic level of consciousness. They've got the in on what the divine is about. Uh, And they split within themselves, and then they shadow project. Now, we can also project the golden shadow, oh, that person has the talent and I have none or their right, so I'm going to follow them. Instead of the, the painful work it takes to say, who am I in this? Where do I contribute? Where is it not true? We don't have to shout it from the tower. We live it within our own dignity. So this, this, you know, start to think about this, this scapegoat archetype. It's always there. And it's it, it can mediate between a coherent and positivity, and, and it identifies the group from the outsiders, and just as it mediates the individual ego um, from from meaning or from the shadow, or it's having you... Rec- you know, it's, it's the we and the they, you know. What are they going to say? Who is this invisible they? It's this collective group, you know. Yes, we need to be aware. But we don't have to do what they believe if we know something else is coming up and that we are part of the new order and there is always a new order being developed. So when the archetype of the scapegoat hits it's it's the collective witch burning. Who are we going to destroy, so that we can keep our beliefs together? Instead of how can we incorporate what what needs to be let go of? Well, it's, it's we say to ourselves, why does this keep happening to me? Why does it keep happening? Because we keep on um, believing or seeing it only in one way. Instead of saying, well, would I need this to happen to me be, uh, if I just Shifted that attitude a little bit. Even in the most threatening of ways, by just saying, well, you know, maybe I'm not right. Or absolutely right. Maybe maybe I need to, like, soften this edge, this opinion, and allow something else to flow through. Maybe I need to read uh, uh, about the... Uh, different religions or genders or possibilities in life without opinion and see where there's a part that says, you know, this makes some sense. Or I may not agree with it, but it's necessary to bring the culture forward. So think about the scapegoat. We certainly have enough of it happening in our world seeing what it is, do not get caught up in the madness of it because we need to find other ways to explore change and bring change into the world because that is the nature of being alive, the creative, the change. We need our roots and our roots need to be very deep. But as the seasons change, so do we. So think about the, the Waywood princess and uh, let that sink into your psyche. Uh, let her receive it and let that work on you. Uh, until next week, bye-bye.